Hi, I'm Steve Gaines, and I want to welcome you to this study on the Lord's Prayer. We're gonna be looking at six different topics, and you and your group, you're gonna really enjoy studying about things like our Father who is in heaven, His holy name, how to revere Him and worship Him, and then God's kingdom and His will coming in your life, and then asking Him to give you your daily bread, praying for everything that you need every day, and then asking God to forgive you as you forgive other people, and then finally we'll be talking, say, God, will you please help me have victory over temptation and also to engage in spiritual warfare so that the devil does not have victory in my life. What a great prayer. Jesus gave it to us and we're gonna study and we're gonna ask him exactly what the disciples said in the parallel text over in Luke. Lord, teach us to pray. And if we will pray according to the Lord's prayer, God will do just that. It's gonna be a great study. I'm excited about it. Let's get started. Our Father in heaven. Your name be honored. Honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today. Our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation. But deliver us. Deliver us from the evil one. You know, theologians have said that of all aspects of the doctrine of salvation, uh, the idea of adoption uh, may be the, the greatest and most meaningful. Uh, and I can understand that because when you realize that prior to coming to faith in Christ, uh, we were enemies, uh, we were alienated from God, we were, even his, we were hostile to Him. And uh, through grace uh, and faith in Christ, not only does He bring us into His kingdom, He brings us into His family and we are now his adopted sons and daughters. And so to be able to call the God of the universe my personal father and to be able to talk to him anytime in the most intimate way uh, is just one of the great, great blessings of uh, what it means to know Christ and to, and to be a Christian. Well, what's really interesting to me is all religions pray. And uh, most surveys show that it's probably the most religious activity of Americans is to pray. And so it's a natural part of what we're doing. When Jesus spoke this, he really understood that people pray, and he divides the line not between those who pray and don't pray, but between those who pray and those who pray effectively and effectually. And, he, it, and the, the phrase, our Father, really is the key to the whole process of prayer, because no religion prays to a Father. No religion has that intimacy with a Father. And even among the Jews, Jesus was radical and that he said, I want you to do more than call him Father. I want you to call him Papa, Abba. And so it is the gateway of prayer. It's where we walk into his presence. What's really interesting is a father has a home and he has a family. And uh, there are other people who live in that home, potentially, but they're either renters or servants. But he tells us to pray as children would pray. In other words, a renter prays, let's say, um, because he asks things of the Father or of God, but he, it's because he pays his rent on time. It's because he does certain things. And uh, a child doesn't pay rent. A child is by relationship with the Father, and he runs into the Father's presence at the most inopportune times. And, but he has total access, he has total affection, and he has total love from the Father. 
which produces a confidence in prayer like nothing else. And even if he comes running in dirty, soiled, and uh, hurt, uh, he has access and he has care. The, the theologian J.I. Packer uh, in a Knowing God, which is one of the most impacting books I've ever read, um, he says that if you want to find out how much somebody really understands Christianity, find out how much they make out of the idea of the fatherhood of God. Because ultimately what, um, what drives our worship, what drives our intimacy with God is the sense of him being father. Uh, you know, um, he points out that uh, father is the thing that God has always been from eternity past. Um, God hasn't always been a creator. God became, he became a creator when he created, but God has always existed eternally as a, as a father. And it's just, it's an inherent part of his nature. It's, it's unique to what Jesus and the Bible reveals about God. It you know, separates him from every other religion. And so um, in the concept of father is all the essence of salvation, all the essence of our relationship with God. It's the place of safety from which we bring our petitions to God. Um, it's the place, I mean, with my children, I think about how they relate to me. They don't come into my presence. I'm going to earn my favor. Um, they don't come in with, you know, trying to, um, you know, well, they do try to negotiate with me, but, you know, they don't, they, they come with the knowledge that they are secure. And I think, I know that Jesus, you know, that's the reason he starts out that, um, the, 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 the model prayer that he gave us, he starts out with this idea that, that God is Father, because when you rest in him as Father, that's going to be the, the place from which every other thing that we're going to say is going to start with that. When Jesus told us to address God as Father, it was a really... Uh, revolutionary thing to say, especially during that day and time. Um, and that's because of the high esteem culturally that the Jewish people had for the name of God. So when, when Jesus says to address God in such a familiar, loving kind of way, I mean, you can just kind of hear the gasp go up from the crowd as he's telling them, this is how you should pray. This is how you should talk to God. So when we address God as Father, we are saying some things about him implicitly. We're saying that uh, like any father should, that he knows what's best for us, that he cares for us, that he loves us. But primarily, I think what we're saying about God is that we can trust him. We really can trust him. But in addition to saying some things about God, we're also saying some things about ourselves when we address God as Father. Not everyone can talk to God like a father. For someone who is not a Christian, you can't address God as father because it's only through Christ and through the gospel that we actually come into a father-child relationship with the Lord. Uh, father is the Christian name for God, and it's the primary name that we use now because through the gospel, we are the treasured and adopted sons and daughters of God, and because we are, that's the right thing for us to call him. We address God in our prayers as father because we've been adopted into his family. We're his son or we're his daughter. And also when you connect with God as father, you're looking for two things. We're all looking as humans for these things from our earthly fathers and from our heavenly father, and that's protection and provision. Protection comes through prayer because we're in God's plan. So we're protected by his plan. We're protected by his love as well. And if we stay in a spirit of prayer, and a heart of prayer, then there's a safety that happens with a father-son or a father-daughter relationship we're protected. Second thing is it's a provision. He's providing for us. We're looking to God as the Father who provides. He's gonna provide for our needs. He's gonna provide for our wounds. 
He's going to provide for the things that we want. And letting God do that in a fatherly way is the best place of safety for a son or daughter to be. My kids, I want them to know that as their father, I'm their protector and I'm their provider. In the same way in prayer, God is our protector and God is our provider. He wants to work on our souls, protect our souls. And our relationship with God is something we can't do without. We can do with a lot of things we can do without, but not without God as Father because we need Him so desperately in the way that He's wired us to protect us and to provide. And we find that in prayer by His identity as Father. You know, when we're instructed to pray to God as our Heavenly Father, I think some people do struggle with that because they didn't have a good role model for an earthly father. I'm very blessed. I grew up in a Christian home and my father's my hero. And I know it's incredibly easy for me to trust God because I trust him implicitly. But I also know that if you didn't have a good earthly father, you know what a good father is. <laughs> you know what a good father should do. And God is the perfect father. That's why we can go into the throne room through Jesus Christ and say, Abba, Father, because once he's given us his spirit, we're his. We belong to him. But not only do we belong to him, he belongs to us. <laughs> I am his, but he's also mine. And once you experience that intimacy of that father-child relationship, it opens up a whole new level of intimacy in your personal prayer time with the Lord. I think in, as far as God is Father, we have so many people in our churches that don't have a good father figure image. Uh, broken homes, adopted kids, why did my parents abandon me? Those kind of questions. The thing that I love about the model prayer is it starts with our father, not just my father, our father. We're a family. The church is a family that, you know, he was the father of Israel. He was the father of the nation. Now he's our father of our church, of our family. And so, you know, I think just the use of the word our instead of my means that, okay, I may not have a good understanding of God as a loving and kind and gracious Heavenly Father, but in the community of prayer and family, I can find somebody that can be that role model. And, and I think you find that in a prayer environment with a church that is hot with prayer, you'll find people that have found what it means to have a loving relationship with a father. So if I've got a bad experience, God's gonna put me in the path of somebody who says, let me tell you what kind of father he is. He's not the father who beats us. He's not the father who curses us. He's the father who stands on the porch and waits for the prodigal to go home. And then just says, come on in. And I just think about that prodigal and I think, you know, here's this kid going, man, I'm sorry I did. And it just, just his dad just going, Shh, don't say a word, just come on in. And that's the father. Jesus said, if you want to know what the father's like, look at me. You want to know what the father is like? We all know prodigals. But the story of the prodigal son, which Jesus would tell in Luke's gospel, is that we have a good father. It's not just a song that we currently sing. It's who he is. Our father. Everything that's good about that word, that's who he is. That's who we're talking to. So when Jesus says, our Father, it's really kind of a shot across the bow. Why? Because Jesus is saying, this is our Father. This is an inclusive term. This is a personal term. And at that point, they knew God as the Father of Israel. But nobody would say personally, he's my Father. But the thing about Jesus is, he always referred to God 
as a personal God. He wasn't just distant like other religions. You know, this distant God, you're praying, wondering if he's hearing. We know he hears. Why? Because he's our Father. And so it just shows us this intimacy of God. And the challenge for some people, I think, is that they have this uh, abusive father as a, as a past uh, experience or an overbearing father which has been controlling. And so they have this disconnected view of God. And one of the things I want people to realize as they think about prayer, feelings never drive our faith. It's the facts of the Word of God. Facts influence our faith, which faith influence our feelings. So feelings are kind of the caboose of the car. And so we can override our feelings. So if you've had a past father who's been overbearing, abusive, domineering in your life, that's not who God is. Why? Because the word tells us otherwise. He's an intimate, loving, caring, long-suffering father who desires a relationship with us. And how cool is it that we can cry out to this father and he hears us because we have a personal relationship with him through Christ. The idea of God as Father is actually what changed my life. It's what drew me to Jesus. My, my biological dad left our family when I was a little girl, and I remember thinking even as a kid that there must be something wrong with me. You know, either I wasn't pretty enough or sweet enough or didn't use my inside voice enough, and I thought if only I had been better, maybe dad wouldn't have walked away. And during that same season, our pastor spoke on the fatherhood of God, how he's not a dad who walks away, whoever abandons his kids. And it was that sermon, and after they sang Just As I Am 752 times, that I walked an aisle and gave my heart to Jesus because I was so desperate for a dad who didn't walk away. So when I pray, and I start my prayer with Father God or God the Father, that totally, it's like it recalibrates my heart reminds me that he didn't just send Jesus to deliver me from my sins, but he delights in me that God welcomes me into his family, that I'm adopted in. There's something about that relationship that just, it changes the topography of my heart. I go from trying to earn his favor, from realizing he's my dad and he thinks I'm the bomb. So it's so much more than theological to me. It is, it's about relationship. I don't know. I, when I think about God as as father, I just think about Abba. And I think about little children raising their hands to God or raising their hands to their father and knowing that they are raising their hands to someone who cares for them. Uh, I don't, I think it's 1 Peter 5, 7 that says, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And when you cast your cares upon him as father, you're casting your cares upon um, the one who gave you access to the family in the first place. Like, I'm casting my cares as I pray to God as Father. I'm casting my cares upon a God that I know, I know knows me and loves me, and he knows my needs and my desires, and he doesn't just have an awareness of it like a distant father, but he has an awareness as, as an intimate father who deeply loves me and wants the best for me and is for me and not against me. And, and that can't be said about false gods and other gods and things that we pursue in life. But when we pursue him as, as our father, we pursue one that we can truly come to uh, with our arms raised, knowing he's going to pick us up every time. Well, acknowledging that God is father is absolutely critical to your walk with Jesus Christ because understanding what the father has done for us in loving us, in paying the price of sending his one and only son to become the sacrificial offering for the sins of the world, 
that's what ultimately gives us the privilege of having direct access to God. I mean, think about how important it is that God loves us right where we are. That once we know Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, we can go to Him anywhere, anytime, about anything in life. I mean, that is absolutely incredible because there are great people all over the world that we would love to have access to, but we have no access. But greater than those people is a Heavenly Father who is more than faithful, who never leaves us, never forsakes us, is always there for us, is the perfect, perfect, good, good Father who is always waiting on us and all for the purpose of having fellowship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, you know, the, the privilege to address God as Father is, is uh, probably a lot more stunning than most people think. You don't even find that idea throughout the Old Testament. There are occasionally some references to God as the Father of Israel or the, the nation as a whole or even Father in relationship to kind of creation of all mankind. But when we come to this uh, model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and uh, Jesus invites his disciples or instructs his disciples to pray our Father, it's radical. I mean, it's so radical that we probably just say it and we don't even, don't even stop to pause to what it was. Because while God in the, is revealed in the Old Testament as being a loving God, uh, a shepherd, uh, the idea just didn't come across to Israel that they could ever have the intimacy to say, Our Father. Uh, two different words occur kind of in the Greek uh, for father. One's uh, more formal pater and the other's Abba, which, by the way, is actually transliterated into English Bibles when you see the word Abba. And Paul uses it. Jesus uses it. Jesus first, we find it in his prayer when he says, Father, can this cup be removed from me? He's, he's, he's speaking to his heavenly Father who is indeed Father God in such intimacy that uh, I'm sure the disciples must have been stunned by it. In fact, Paul was. You remember in, in Romans 8, Paul talks about the fact that he was adopted, and, and he was adopted as a son. Now, we have two different images for the relationship that we can have with God in Christ Jesus. One is to be born again, which we understand the, the nature of that new birth, but also adoption because it really focuses on God's choice of us. It's like an adoptive parent saying, you know, I chose you. you, you know, and so in a sense, all of, all of creation, all, all mankind is God's by his creative ability. He's their father in that sense. But now what he's saying is that there's a new dynamic relationship because Jesus is our, in a sense, our elder brother. We're heirs and joint heirs. And Paul would say, and we could cry out, Abba, Father. Uh, if you were to go to the Holy Land today, you would probably hear the word Abba on the street corner. It would be a child who, whose dad may have just gotten off local transport and he runs out and he says, Abba, Abba. And, and it's not like daddy, it's, it's, it, it's a little too common. It does have that intimacy, but it has more respect to it. So when Jesus invites his disciples to say, you can pray our Father, he, he's using the context that now we enter into the very presence of holy God with the intimacy of a child and an heir. And, and, it, and it brings confidence to our asking. You know, the question is, what, you know, I have three daughters. I have now 10 grandkids. And, and the question is, what can they ask you? Well, they can ask me anything they want to. 
because they come in a relationship. They come to me as their dad, as their father who loves them. So there's a lot more to the first two words of the Lord's Prayer than most people imagine. And so when people take prayer casually, it shows they don't really understand the intimacy and the cost, the cost to provide this because you see, that access to the Father was only opened up by Jesus' death on the cross. You see, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one has the access to the Father in John 14. Well, right after that, he goes on to talk about prayer. And so that access was purchased for us by the blood of Christ. And so when we now get out on our knees or we lay in our bed to pray or we stand or wherever we are in whatever context we are, we know that we're addressing the creator of the universe, the sovereign God of the universe, in the context of his fatherhood to us through Jesus Christ.